Hello guys, fantastic to have you tuning in to the Not The Top 20 betting show sponsored by Black Type Bet with me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick, back from, I was going to say back from the dead, that would be harsh, back from a holiday, refreshed and ready to go, George Ellick alongside me. We're sponsored by Black Type Bet. They're offering you, the listener, a £10 free football bet if you sign up to Black Type using the offer code NTT20. It's very important that you use it as you sign up, not after you sign up. And if you do, then you can make a £10 bet on any football selection that you fancy, whether it's a single or a multiple this weekend. Take some time to do a bit of research, make some picks, uh, use some of our picks from today's show if you like, and uh, just, yeah, explore Black Type, enjoy Black Type. If you've already got an account, then it's Scoreboard is the way to get some free bets off them. £20 free bet for anyone that can pick a nil-nil in the EFL and a goal with over 4.5 goals. We haven't had any winners for a few weeks now, so I think we're due one. Uh, the full slate of EFL fixtures this weekend. Tweet us at NTT20pod and at Black Type Bet with your uh, scoreboard, a nil-nil and a game with over 4.5. George is going to run us through what happened last week. George made his picks from Table Mountain uh, and I from my front room. Yeah, it's a bit of a cliche, um, I guess, but I think, Ali, you've, you've hit rock bottom here. So now is a time where you gather it up together, you go again, and we're going to see improvement. Minus 3.2 for you. Very unlucky with your Forest Green nap, um, hitting the bar twice in their game. You, you spotted the value, um, but as we know, good bets sometimes lose. Um, and I think that, that's one of those there. So, yeah, you were minus 3.2 for the, uh, for the weekend, and that has left you uh, minus 18. Uh, point two four. Another kind of. I've got. I've got no comment at this time. Uh, it's, it's. It's all about um, just. Just continuing to to do what I'm doing and hope that at some point I get rewarded for it because I, I'm putting a lot of time into these. A lot of stats work. A lot of XG data looking at. A lot of my own gut feel. No, nothing's coming off at the moment. God, that sounds like a dead man walking to me if you're a manager. <laughs> but um, yeah, I had a a frustrating positive week, I guess. Um, landing the second um, big price nap in, in a couple of weeks in Scunthorpe at 23 to 10, which um, was good, but um, failing to get the BTTS up with, with Rotherham absolutely peppering Ipswich's goal um, and unable to score. Um, so I was plus uh, 0.6 for the weekend despite that big price nap, which is a bit annoying, but um, minus 2.89 for the season. So- Frustratingly positive week for you. That is just the smuggest sentence <laughs> you've ever said on the podcast. Yeah, um, yeah so uh, you're almost... Even and a good week would certainly push you back into the green and I've got a lot of work to do. Um, We mentioned that we would talk about Martin O'Neill and Nottingham Forest on the betting show. Uh, Monday's show for those who listened hope you enjoyed it Uh, it it was a bit different George travelling back from South Africa so it was a bit of a mishmash of of excellent interviews and those sort of random rambly monologues that I was doing rounding up uh, the news from all three divisions so let's talk about Martin O'Neill he's the new Nottingham Forest manager George and first and foremost your immediate reaction to that Uh, I think it's it's a fascinating appointment in many ways because I don't think when Karanka got sacked, he would have been anywhere near uh, a list of, of who we would even have expected to be on the, on the shortlist. And yet here we are, whatever it was, a pretty swift appointment. Martin O'Neill back at the city ground. I'd say that he probably would have been the top of the list for people who haven't been following Nottingham, Nottingham Forest Football Club for the last three or four years. Um, for, you know, for the untrained eye, it seemed like the obvious choice. But given um, where we expect the investment to have come from in the summer... 
um, given the, the, the pragmatic approach of Ita Karanka, which didn't really sit particularly well, evidently, with the board um, and the attacking talent they have, it, it does seem a, a, a bizarre choice. Obviously, he's, he's a legend at the club. Um, it looks like he's trying to bring in Roy Keane, who, of course, started his career in England at the club as well. So there's that good feeling to come with it. But I think we both saw Karanka's shortcomings in the summer, where, where they brought in, um, I think, undoubtedly, the strength in their squad lies with the forward players. Um, Lolly, uh, Jao Carvalho and, and, and Lewis Graben being the, the, the three key ones but a couple of other players who came in the summer who haven't quite hit the heights we expected them to from abroad um, and I think we partly put that down to Karanka himself so to bring in Martin O'Neill who you know, we've got to remember only kind of six or seven years ago was being mentioned as, as a potential successor to Sir Alex Ferguson at Manchester United so mm. that, you know the calibre is definitely there but it did feel like his time had maybe gone and his move into international management was a sign of that um, but I think I think it really clouds the waters when we're sort of passing judgment on him at this stage before we've seen anything of him at Forest because at the style of play you know it was it was something that I don't think Irish fans particularly enjoyed um, but at, at the same time perhaps that was sort of horses for courses and that's what he felt was best for that squad. There are some managers put it this way that when they take over a club you can be pretty adamant that a certain philosophy will be implemented at the club in terms of playing style and I don't know that that's necessarily the case for Martin O'Neill um, because it was an international job and that's very different to club football uh, as, a, as a prospect for a manager as a, as a role essentially and because previously in, in other jobs with uh, Leicester with Aston Villa I don't think he was known Georgian you might correct me here I don't think certainly at Villa he wasn't known for being like an Allardyce or, a, or, or, or something like that I, I don't think that was the case at all so who knows really I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to definitively say this is going to be dour football and uh, I'd be interested to see if they come out all guns blazing against uh, Bristol City you mentioned his history with Forest two European Cups there as a player of course uh, he is their 12th manager in eight years and, and there's that sense of fatigue from Forest fans that they keep changing their manager but I, I think from and a lot of them quite a sense of optimism because of him being a club legend but also just an 18 month contract which at that level of football is, is pretty rare to see especially a manager of his standing um, I mean whether or not that was his decision or the clubs you'd assume it's the clubs it's not really a, a statement of, of intent to um, yeah I mean I, I was a bit surprised to see that he would agree to sign a deal that short where it's not going to cost them much to to disperse of him again I mean, you have to remember the job he did at Celtic as well um, where he, that's where he did manage a club where you cannot sit back and rest in your laurels you have to dominate games and he's except you know, behind Jock Steen he's effectively their best ever manager um, they won 213 games uh, out of 282 when he was there um, did well in Europe uh, just lost two league titles out of, out of seven so as you say I think given the job uh, he had on his plate at Sunderland which was as we, as we saw was definitely a poison chalice um, and then the you know, Ireland were fairly desperate to watch whenever I saw them, whether it was in, in major competitions or in qualifying. Um, but as you say, we'll see. I, I'm, not, I, I'm not putting it down. I just thought that, that given the, the recruitment uh, strategy, I thought we may be seeing a, a sexier appointment. Well, there's a suggestion, I think it was from uh, Daniel Taylor's article in The Guardian, that there are still significant transfer funds available uh, for the new manager. So we'll see how much business he does uh, in January. Uh, one other thing uh, that I read that I wanted to read out, but this doesn't sort of fill me with, with confidence and excitement. From the BBC article, uh, it says, he has not managed in club football for more than five years uh, and admitted he did not know a great deal about the squad, but he seemed really up for the challenge <laughs> and genuinely excited to be back. Well, yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. I if think, he doesn't know a great deal about the squad, then he, uh, we were told that he interviewed unbelievably well and that his energy and passion uh, really impressed the owners. I mean, that, he must have been seriously energetic I think if, he, if he's masking not knowing much about the squad. If you told Martin O'Neill on the day that he left Ireland that he'd be getting this job, I think he'd have, that probably would have been top of his list and, and probably almost seemed unattainable to him. So I'm not surprised he was... Uh, up for the interview. Uh, it's our match in focus, Nottingham Forest against Bristol City. It's an interesting game as well because there is that sort of cluster of clubs outside the playoffs looking to be the one that could force their way in from now until the end of the season. Bristol City leading the pack. They're in seventh at the moment. Uh, and they're on a good run of nine games unbeaten. Forest, of course, not that far off the playoffs as well. A, a tantalising opportunity for Martin O'Neill here if he can galvanise this team. Uh, they're, they're only four points off the playoffs and two points behind uh, Bristol City at this point. Uh, George, uh, in terms of this game, uh, it's it's always hard to know exactly how a team will get going under a new manager. Um, and he arrives with some quite significant injury issues. Dariqua and Fox are suspended. Michael Dawson and Hefele are definitely out. And Figueiredo, the other centre-back, doubtful. Uh, and even if he does come back, hasn't played the last four. So uh, defensive issues. Um, how, did you, how have you sort of fallen which side of the fence have you fallen here in, in this Forest Bristol City game I, I definitely can't back Forest um, in this game at all they've only won one of their last um, seven uh, league games um, they've drawn a blank in and I think five of those um, their home form isn't particularly good either they've got injury issues that you've mentioned uh, the goals have dried up for Lewis Graben um, yeah I, I, given Bristol City's run of form and the prices available on Forest, I, I can't bring myself to, to go near them. Goals angles are tricky as well because we've seen, as I mentioned, Nottingham Forest have, have, have drawn a blank a few times recently, but they've also put four past Leeds. They put three past Norwich. There was obviously a ridiculous game against Villa as well. So you cannot hang your hat on them either, either scoring a hatful or, or drawing a blank. So mm. that's tough. So the only thing I can really do here um, is side with with a tentative side with um, with Bristol City, a team in really really good form. Um, we always talk about the streaky nature of, of of Lee Johnson. That almost puts me off here because they've got to be coming to the end of that streak sometime soon, <laughs> and and on the brink of a of a, of a tough run. Um, but and given the, the the obvious atmosphere that they'll be at the City Ground, um, you'd have to expect a, a tight game at least. So yeah, as you can tell, I I, I found this quite tricky. So I'm. I'm Having a very, very, um, if I could have a half point, I would, but we can't do that. A tenth of a point. On, uh, no, but it has to be the full point just on, on Bristol City, draw no bet um, at 21 to 10, which I think is generous, actually, given given their run of form at the moment, to, to be getting odds against um, with the, with the uh, added benefit of void if, void if, if, if it's a draw. So what's the price? Uh, 21 to 20. Lovely. Okay. Uh, I am not going to go exactly with you. In fact, almost against you here. Bristol City dug a bit deeper into their run. Nine games unbeaten, five wins and four draws. Uh, they've played three top half teams and five bottom half teams in that time. So they've had a, a decent spread of fixtures, but leaning towards some fairly kind fixtures. And in terms of the numbers, looking at the latest Fox Punter ratings provided by Mike Holden, um, they, don't, they don't sort of fly off the page. In fact, quite the opposite. Uh, 19th in the league for XG ratio over the last eight games suggests that, they're, that, that they've maybe been a, a little lucky not to have picked up a single defeat uh, out of those uh, draws that they've had. Um, but... They've been keeping it exceptionally tight. Uh, Alan Webster at the back is just growing into this, this role at Bristol City, having signed in the summer from Ipswich, replaced Aidan Flint and some. Um, you know, he's not scoring the same amount of goals. But as we always said about Flint, that, that was often, I think, blinding people to some defensive 
vulnerabilities and Webster doesn't appear to be showing any. He's much better on the ball. He's been one of the signings of the season in the championship and he's part of a, of a good Bristol City defence. Um, only 1.03 uh, XG4 on average over the last eight games, which is not particularly impressive. 1.22 against, so that's fairly low, but again, not not sort of Middlesbrough early season level. So my, my reading of this is that maybe Bristol City's run uh, has been, uh, you know, in terms of the numbers beneath it, probably not built on such solid foundation. So I find them very hard to back here. Uh, Forrest, as you've mentioned, um, how, how do you judge them definitively with a new manager in? Uh, I think it seems likely they'll be better than they've been in the last few weeks. Karanka's motivation uh, and his influence really dwindled. It, it's, uh, I've read that he was basically um, sacking off training and, and not really, you know, really, really sort of stepping back from his role. So I think that, that, that they'll at least come flying out the blocks with the new manager. Um, and I think if, I was, if they were fully, fully fit and available, I might have backed Forrest here. But with that chunk of defenders out, you can't have much confidence that they'll keep Bristol City at bay. So I am going to back a strong start under Martin O'Neill. A rocking city ground, uh, welcoming a club hero back to the club. I'm going Forest first team to score here at 10 to 11 with black type. And now we get into our real fancies, our big picks for the weekend, starting, George, with your nap. Yeah, I've just changed my mind on my naps, which is always interesting because I've seen the price has been knocked out a bit and I haven't done this for a while. Um, I'm going against my beloved um, okay. Oxford hosting Portsmouth on the weekend, um, Oxford in a dire run of form. Um, anyone who's looking for an antipost bet, I wouldn't put you off the five to two on us to get relegated um, at all. You and I went to the game at Fratton Park where um, you'll, you won't see many more one-sided games um, ever. I think, you know, Oxford didn't pose any threat at all to Portsmouth. I think in, in terms of a clash of styles, it's absolutely ideal for, uh, for Pompey. Um, Oxford will, will probably have a fair bit of possession without really making any inroads. Um, the Portsmouth defence, I mean, won't have much trouble. So uh, with, it's likely to be Jamie Mackey starting up front, um, which I can't imagine they'll be too concerned with, with, with no strikers set to come in before that. Um, but it's more in, in the attacking uh, form that I reckon they're going to really cause Oxford problems. Um, you're looking at Ollie Hawkins and, and Ronan Curtis and Jamal Lowe, Oxford's fullback, so Josh Ruffles and, and, and Jamie Hansen, two centre midfielders by trade, by no means particularly good uh, defensively. And, uh, and Rob Dickey and Curtis Nelson at the back are both woefully out of form. Um, and I think Hawkins will have an absolute field day against both of them in the air. And with those two run, making inroads in behind, I mean, you saw in the Fleetwood game on the weekend um, just how easy it was for Fleetwood to carve Oxford open twice in the first half. Just, just balls through the line um, without a flat back four. And so the, the clash of styles, Oxford's lack of form, um, you know, pick, picking up just one point against Fleetwood, Southend, Bristol Rovers and, uh, and Plymouth was, was a terrible return. The next three games of Barnsley... Um, Sunderland and this one against Portsmouth Portsmouth away form is so good I guess we're getting the, the price that we are because Portsmouth's uh, defeat um, at home but their away form has been just so much better than their home form this season and they've bounced back from every every setback with, with a good result afterwards as well um, so at 11 to 8 I mean I I'm amazed by that um, going to the game I, w- I would t- be turning up pretty pretty um, confident that we were more likely um, to lose than, 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 get a, than get anything out of this mm-hmm. so um, I'm hoping you know, previously this season for those people who haven't been listening for that long 
Um, I was ridiculed because every time I tipped Oxford, we, we got beaten. Every time I tipped us to lose, um, we would win. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case here. Um, yeah, it's a pretty strong one. This uh, Portsmouth had 11 to 8 to, to do the business at the Kassam. Definitely one of your most uh, convincing, I think, um, listening along to that, hard to argue uh, with anything you've said. My nap is, is Blackburn to beat Ipswich. 1.8, so four to five here. There are a few teams that I, I sort of fancied in the championship with a one-pointer and, and finding a two-pointer. I've fallen with Blackburn. Um, and it's partly, or rather mostly, uh, anti-Ipswich sentiment, I'm afraid. Uh, not in general, but just in terms of betting. Uh, I'm not blinded by that win against Rotherham last week. They were absolutely battered, to be quite honest with you, in the second half, having gone ahead and uh, on another day, that could have been 3-1 to Rotherham quite comfortably. Um, they're still really, really bad on, on balance play, on the balance of play rather, and underlying numbers, they're still getting battered. Um, you know, James Collins came in and, and was heroic at the back, um, basically heading and clearing everything that came near him. And Rotherham are a very aerial side, um, whereas I don't think he would be that suited to playing a, a, against a more mobile attacking team, um, trying to pull players out of position in possession. Um, Blackburn, impressive, winning away at, at Millwall. Uh, they, they kept Millwall at bay. It was unbelievably boring game that until about the 80th minute. Um, and they're obviously much more comfortable back at home, as we know, over the last 18 months, a, a sensational home record under Tony Mowbray. This season, they haven't always picked up the wins um, at Ewood Park against poor teams at home, but I'm definitely going to back them to do so here. Um, I was impressed with Adam Armstrong last week with the way he took uh, the second goal in that game, uh, uh, looking like he um, or Graham or Dak, these are players that can hurt Ipswich. Um, Blackburn, a couple of injury concerns uh, towards the back of the pitch. Mulgrew didn't play in midweek against Newcastle, uh, but I'd be hopeful that he'll be back for the weekend. In terms of XG ratio, this is really what it boils down to. Uh, Ipswich's over the season is 32% per, per Fox Punter stats. That's the worst in the top tiers. So on balance of play, chances created over the course of the season, Ipswich, the worst team uh, in the top four tiers the next worst being Huddersfield and amazingly over the last eight games despite the perception um, that they've improved under Lambert it's actually worse than that 26% xg ratio no other team in the EFL gets anywhere close to being uh, as bad as that uh, so I'm, I'm feeling pretty bad regards Ipswich and I would back almost anyone against them even with James Collins doing a lot of headers uh, now um, so yeah especially with Blackburn's home record under Mowbray uh, a pretty straightforward Blackburn home win is my nap at 4-5 to five at 1.8 um, so your championship pick now please George yeah, the championship pick is at Stoke. Um, I'm positive about Nathan Jones at Stoke. I think it's going to be a good good appointment, but it's going to take time. Um, we've seen in the Brentford game and the Shrewsbury midweek game as well that um, things aren't all, all right at Stoke. Um, there hasn't been a new manager bounce. They're, they're conceding goals for fun and leads come in um, in buoyant moods. Uh, um, their away form is a little bit of a concern. Um, they have won three of the last five away, but all by just the solitary goal, including a 1-0 scrappy win away at Bolton um, and the Villa game, which you, know, you could argue they were lucky to win having gone uh, having gone behind but um again that type of best price here at 31 to 20 which i think is, is cracking value with with, with um kiko casilla coming in uh, in goal uh, uh, in between the posts as well i am that's a massive positive for me to have him instead of bailey peacock farrell i think that won't only improve their shot stopping but it'll also um just improve the defense who is also already very good conceding the, the second fewest goals in the league already so um yeah i think leads are, are a decent bet here at, at at just over six to four. Yeah, they were one of the teams that I had a look at as well. So that's a sort of co-sign 
from me. In, in League One, I'm picking Bradford at home to South End. They're at six to four, two point five uh, in uh, decimal. Uh, they had a blip last week, of course, against Barnsley. Pretty much blown away at Oakwell, as many teams have been this season. And just looking at their form uh, since the, well, what we're calling the turnaround, what we have called the turnaround, um, they're still in the relegation zone, so we shouldn't be blind to that fact. But uh, looking at the last eight games, uh, the three losses they've had, away at Luton, away at Sunderland, away at Barnsley, um, those are you know three of the top five teams. Uh, they drew three all away at Plymouth. Uh, home games, 4-0 win against Walsall, 4-0 win against Scunthorpe, 3-0 win against Accrington, 4-0 win away at Rochdale. So those four wins coming in their last six, that's really what I'm leaning on. Outside of, of the top 10, uh, they have played, um, it's eight teams outside of the top 10 at home this season at Valley Parade. They've won five of those games, all of them to nil. Drew nil nil with Bristol Rovers and lost at home to Rochdale and Wickham early on in the season when all was not well. So I, I definitely still believe in this Bradford side despite a slip last weekend. Uh, they've been boosted by the, the re-signing or the re-upping of the loan of of Jack Payne uh, and Lewis O'Brien from Huddersfield. Those two of their key, key players, creative players, um, we've mentioned before, it's not just them. They've, they've actually got good players all over the pitch and David Hopkins seems to be now uh, able to... to well, he's basically steadied the ship and now they're turning into a team that's starting to fulfil their potential. Um, from South End's point of view, bit of an odd team um, in their last eight. They've gone loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. So all signs in terms of sequencing point to a, a South End win here. But I think this is the end of the road for that run. Um, they still, and we bang on about it every time, but they're still missing around 10 first team players. So this is not the South End team that, that ideally we'd be seeing. Um, and we're seeing that sort of inconsistency. Losing at home to Argyle last week um, was not impressive. Um, and, and I just think this amount of injuries... For this amount of time, I think it, it can just tire a team out, to be quite honest. So uh, despite that amazing goal from the halfway line from, from their youngster, Kelman, uh, I'm, I'm not really in on South End here. So I'm, I'm thrilled to take a 6-4 to four price about Bradford, who have had so many impressive home wins against bottom half teams this season. Uh, I'm taking Bradford 6-4 to four from League One. So League Two now, Mr. Ellick, uh, I don't think, and I'm rubbing my eyes here, I don't think you've picked Grimsby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you've seen the tail off of Grimsby's XG ratio in the yeah. last few games, oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so I think it's time to, to get off that bandwagon and find a new one. Um, yeah, I found this tough, actually, um, in League Two. There wasn't anything that really stood out for me. Um, I was kind of torn between uh, Newport and uh, Tranmere um, for my picks, and I ended up going with, with Tranmere, um, despite the fact that Swindon are... Uh, Improving pretty quickly under mm. uh, under Richie Wellens, um, both in terms, well, definitely in terms of the data. The, the results maybe aren't necessarily showing that yet, but I do think they're a team to keep an eye on. Um, but in the last four games, in terms of XG ratio, Swindon are top, but in second it is Tranmere. And uh, I think after a bit of a wobble, we're seeing Tranmere um, really coming back to the fore. Um, they didn't let that um, that hammering at the hands of of Spurs. Um, the 7 0 defeat troubled them too much going and beating a, a really informed Cheltenham team at 3 1 despite going 1 0 down. Um, their home form is very, very good indeed, boosted by the fact that it looks like James Norwood won't be leaving in January. I mean, they need to try and tie his contract up pretty quickly, but that's a, a massive boost. Um, Swindon still seem to have a bit of a, a, bit of a soft centre, to be honest. And yeah, as I say, it, it's fairly speculative, but um, I think that with Tranmere in, in back in good form um, and at home, uh, there aren't many teams I wouldn't back them. 
um, at odds against uh, and, and their current guys. And so 13 to 10, it's it's just, uh, yeah, it's not a strong one, but but it's just the best bet in my view in League Two this weekend. Eight wins, four draws, one defeat, Tramir at home this season. Uh, just a fantastic, fantastic home record. Um, I'm going with Crawley here, which seems bizarre. Uh, they're, they're not a team that I think on the whole is particularly impressive, but um, they've got a real quirk about them under Gabriele Cioffi. Um, which is that their home form is sensational and their away form is pure disgraceful. (laughs) Um, So Crawley have won eight out of 14 home games this season for 26 points. Overall, that's the eighth best in the division. Uh, And under Choffey, the the home form has really been what they've they've lent on. Apart from beating Lincoln away in his first game, um, they've pretty much lost every away game bar one or two. So uh, they need this home form. They're relying on it and they seem to be getting plenty from it. Um, Oli Palmer is back after, I think he missed four games with a suspension, three or four games, and it really, really hit them hard. But he's back and he's such a talisman for them. Brilliant in the first half of the season. Don Polion um, is in the goals and we know that he can be a streaky scorer. Very rarely puts it together uh, long term, but seems to be in good form at the moment and on good form. He's very, very hard to stop. He's small, dynamic, mobile striker uh, and a, a bit of a confidence player. So I'm, in, I'm enjoying Crawley's front line over the last few weeks. But this is also half prompted by a piece that I read on the two unfortunates uh, about Port Vale, who are the away team here. I'm picking Crawley against Port Vale. Uh, Tom Bourne, a Vale fan, writing on that website, a fantastic uh, health check series that they're doing, just checking in on on a number of EFL teams and getting the inside view from fans who are very much in the know. Um, Tom writes that what looks like a make-or-break month of fixtures for the trajectory of Vale seasons against teams towards the wrong end of the table, it yielded little, only a single point taken in home games with Cheltenham, Grimsby and Oldham alongside draws at Morecambe and Macclesfield. Uh, it, was a little, it was little surprise that Aspin began to, came, to come under pressure. Despite kicking off the new year with a creditable point at leaders Lincoln City, Aspin's downbeat post-match interview gave the impression of a man who had had enough. Definitely all not well at Port Vale. There's a, a bit of resentment towards the owner um, for not necessarily uh, providing the financial platform for, for the squad to, to, to sort of take that next step. And it's been tough for Aspin. Tom Pope is out injured. If Ollie Palmer is Crawley's talisman, well, Tom Pope is even more so for Port Vale and he'll miss this game. Uh, I'm feeling pretty confident that Crawley, so confident at home uh, in, 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 a, in a way that they just aren't away from home, uh, will do the business here against a Port Vale team that isn't confident either at home or away at the moment. One more fun fact for you before we move on to our long shots and BTTS. Did you know that Port Vale got £1.9 million uh, in sell-on fee when Jordan Hugill was signed by West Ham? Two mil they got. Uh, if, I did, if I did know that, I've forgotten it. So. Not very much, as far as I can tell, invested in, in the playing squad at this stage, and that's definitely a, a point of contention for the fans. Um, your, your long shot, George. Long uh, shot. Where are you going for your long shot? Uh, going to the current darlings, I guess, Scunthorpe, um, who host Sunderland. And um, yeah, I'm excited by this. I think this is going to be a really, really interesting game. Uh, Scunthorpe, a team, you know, the, pretty much the informed team in the league at the moment under Stuart McCall, hosting Sunderland, who, who still remain very, very tough to beat, um, who still remain yeah, numerically average, but, but on the pitch, obviously the third best team in the league at the moment. Um, disappointing for them not to get that win against Luton, which would have really catapulted them into the into the, the promotion picture. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a game that I think is from a betting point of view, kind of comes at a perfect time. 
We've got Scunthorpe, who are a team who, who maybe the mark hasn't quite caught up with yet, um, scoring a lot of goals against a team in Sunderland who concede a lot of chances, who also um, you probably bat and score in most games. It's pretty rare that they... Uh, that they they draw a blank. So they haven't drawn a blank all season. Not a indeed, single blank. Exactly. <laughs> so so here, I mean, I, it won't surprise you to to know that I'm I'm backing Scunthorpe to win the game anyway. Um, but if you think Scunthorpe around about the three to one mark, and as you just mentioned, Sunderland have yet to draw a blank this season, then the fact you're getting thirteen to two about Scunthorpe to win and both teams to score um, does seem a kind of too good to be true, really. So. Um, yeah, it's a pretty easy one for me, this one. Scunny and BTTS is my long shot. I've got massive long shot yips. Uh, I don't think I've landed one uh, in about, I don't know, 14 weeks or so, which is pretty miserable, to be honest. Um, so I- I'm changing tact again this week to-, to search for a winner. I've decided to try and pick the really big win of the weekend. That's, that's where I'm going this time. So I'm picking Charlton. Uh, minus two on the Asian handicap, uh, on the handicap to beat Accrington at home. Normal handicap. Uh, yeah, just the normal handicap, uh, minus two. Um, listeners might have worked out or might not know that for George and I, that the long shot has to be four to one or, or longer. Um, so quite often the BTTS and team to win is too short. Quite often the minus one is just too short at around three, three or or three to one or seven to two. So uh, I've had to really lengthen this. Charlton minus two. Uh, I'm banking on them battering Accrington. Um, there's a real feeling that Charlton have been quietly, I think, and slightly under the radar, getting a lot stronger over the last few months. And, and results back it up, really. They've won nine of their last 13 games, uh, three away defeats they've suffered in that time, uh, and the home draw to Sunderland, the only other dropped points. But uh, generally, they've been winning a lot of games. And Lyle Taylor, um, always a great goal scorer at this level, uh, has really taken his game to the next level, I think. Um, some of the, the quick feet he's been showing in and around the box, some of the finishing, but also some of his, his build-up play and the partnership he's formed with Carlin Grant um, and, and Fosu in behind. They're, they're just such a threat, Charlton, and uh, I feel like they're, they're ready to absolutely blow someone away and for the rest of the league to, to start taking notice because, of course, they're in fourth position at the moment. They're above Barnsley, uh, and there's a lot more talk still about Barnsley as promotion candidates than there is about Charlton. So uh, this might be the weekend where it changes. I'm hoping that it will be. I'm, I'm a bit worried about Accrington's form at the moment. Uh, Stanley have got the fifth worst XG ratio in the last eight games. Uh, the results really sort of back that up. They've, they've, they had a, a decent pair of wins around Christmas time but they haven't scored in four of their last six and uh, certainly finding it very, very tough at the moment. Uh, so I'm taking Charlton minus two on the handicap. I think I can push black type out to 11 to two for that one. Um, and that is my long shot. And I've, I've got a fun one, George, for the listeners, a, a very statsy and very much a, a, a double long shot here. Um, I noticed that uh, Rochdale in terms of first halves are, just horrendous. They, they trail at halftime in 50% of their games in League One, the worst first half team in League One by some distance. And Fleetwood, who they're playing this weekend, at second bottom of the second half table, having lost 15 of 27 uh, second halves this season. So They've dropped 19 points from winning positions as well, Fleetwood. Well, there you go. So what are we looking at? We're looking at Fleetwood halftime, Rochdale full-time at 28 to 1, uh, or maybe Fleetwood <laughs> halftime, draw full-time at 11 to 1. Um, you know, they won't go towards my totals unless they win, in which case I'm definitely putting them on my totals. No chance. Um, but yeah, just a fun one for, for, for the listeners 
listeners to, to keep an eye out for uh, some very long prices there. BTTS to come. Mr. Alec, you are staying in League One for this one. Yeah, quick one. Uh, 18, uh, sorry, 8 to 13, BTTS, yes. Donny against Burton. Um, Burton's uh, game against Gillingham was a bizarre one. I think they had 31 shots to Gillingham's six and, and they lost 3 2. Um, so that suggests that um, it was it was a fairly unlucky defeat, but also you know a porous defence, which saw them concede nine against Manchester City, and obviously in the game before that they scored four against Rochdale. So definitely a team who who have ability going forward, but but struggle to keep teams out. Uh, Doncaster exactly the same, very very good going forwards, putting five past Rochdale, two past. Um, past Wickham even three in the F- in the cup against uh, against Preston three against Gillingham but then also conceding three against against Fleetwood conceding um three against Wickham so two teams who who have just I think have a massive attacking focus um have difficulties at the back going head to head um Q nil nil but I think this is a bit of a banker at age 13 my BTTS in league two uh, George Lincoln good solid defensive team aren't they no yes no correct answer no they're not um, definitely going against the perception of I, I think of Lincoln uh, they've only kept one clean sheet at home all season in their 13 home games which for a team you know with a with a half decent gap at the top of the table is, is quite surprising I think um, that clean sheet came back in early October against Crew. you might remember around that time Crew. Uh, barely scored a goal for about three months. So um, Lincoln Grimsby BTTS at, at uh, 19 to 20 at 1.95. Um, I think that's a, a decent bet just off that stat alone, off Lincoln's home goals conceded stat. Um, 12 out of 13 they've conceded. And, and of course, you'd always bat them to score. They are the league's best team uh, and they do have a strong record at home in terms of results, but not in terms of keeping a clean sheet. You mentioned Grimsby's. Uh, sort of underlying performance data has dropped off a little bit over the last few games. They've had a, a, a two uh, very poor defeats in their last few games, but it wasn't long ago that they scored in nine consecutive games, scoring 19 goals in total in that time. Uh, and we do know that in Wes Thomas, they've got someone that can finish chances. Um, in Elliot Embleton, they've got someone that can create chances uh, and, and various others as well. So I'm um, backing BTTS in this one, hoping that Lincoln's uh, poorest home defence is at it again. Um, BTTS, yes, 1.95, 21 to 20. So that's it from us. Make sure you get involved with Scoreboard this week. Tweet us at NTT20pod, at Black Type Bet, a nil-nil, and an over 4.5 goals for your chance to win £20 off Black Type. Um, just to round up our picks, in the match in focus between Forest and Bristol City, I've gone for Nottingham Forest to score first at 10 to 11. George has gone Bristol City, DNB, draw no bet. In the championship, he's gone for Leeds, and I've gone for Blackburn, which is my nap, my best bet in League One. Uh, his nap is in League One. Portsmouth to beat Oxford away from home, and mine is Bradford uh, to beat Southend. In League Two, I'm picking Crawley at home to Port Vale. George is picking Tramere at home to Swindon. The long shots, Scunthorpe and both teams to score for George, and Charlton minus two. Uh, for me, BTTS, yes, Lincoln Grimsby for me, and BTTS, yes, Doncaster Burton for George. We're, we're so grateful for you to, to tune in, join us on this betting show. Uh, make sure you continue to subscribe to NTT20 Pod, and we'll talk again on Monday. Sorry.